My entire life, I have always said I want to I want to be on stage and I want to perform for people. I never really defined what that stage is. Um, I was never that person that said like I want to be on Broadway. Like, of course, like yeah, you you say like that would be great, but like that was never the goal. Just like a stage in front of people, because I knew and I know that that is where I, I shine. Successors, welcome back to another edition of Success Fundamentals. We have a very, very, very special guest with us today. We have the Emmy-nominated television host and the star of PA Live, Chris Bohensky. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my goodness! I, I think we can end there that, with, with that introduction. I mean, what what else could what could be better? Can't get much better than that. Can't get much better than that. So, Chris. Brian, and Chris, I'm so happy to be here with both of you and truly so humbled and honored that you think I'm worthy enough uh, for your show. Absolutely. Chris, you are. First of all, thank, thank you for taking the time out of your day. You are the Emmy nominated one. We're trying to get to your level. <laughs> That's very, very flattering. Uh, but you know what? I think we all bring something to the world. And if we can learn from you know one another, then... That's what makes the world go that's around, why we, right? That's Absolutely. why we have you here today, Chris. So today, the topic of conversation is knowing when to pivot. Uh, Chris, you and I have spoken in the past. Uh, from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm talking to Chris Bohinsky here, you originally <laughs> wanted to pursue a career, was it in theater and in, in music? And at some point in your life, you started to shift into the realm of media. So we want to pick your brain today. We want to have an open discussion for our successors, our listeners, about when do you know when to pivot? So I want to start with Chris Sykes. I want to get your initial reflections on your thoughts on when to pivot. And then I want to kick it over to, to our guest today. Man, um, when I think about that, I think that uh, you have to know when something is not going to work out. Uh, so I have a personal experience in this. I wanted to be a football player, a professional football player. If you knew me when I was a kid, uh, I used to literally walk around everywhere with the football, right? So I was fortunate enough to uh, play collegiate football, and then that was just my dream. I would do I worked so hard at it. I actually, um, my route to playing college football wasn't the traditional route, but I, I just knew this is what I was meant to do. My senior year of football in college, I lost the love of the game, hmm. and once I lost the love of it, I knew it was, it was. I didn't know what to pivot to, to be honest. But I knew it was a, it was the time for me to kind of pursue something because I had. I had a passion for business, but it wasn't really as strong as football at the time. Um, but when I when I started losing, when I lost the love of football, I knew that it was time for me to do something else. But I'm very curious to hear Chris's perspective, because like you said, if he wanted to start it out in theater and music and then he pivoted into media and then doing media at a very high level, I'm curious to know when that shift happened for him. I'm curious to know when that shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, that's an interesting way to look at pivoting. And I think is, uh, Chris, a, a lot of ways how people do look at a pivot. I would say um, my pivot did not come out of uh, um, uh, uh, something not working sort of mentality, it came out of almost and, and pretty much necessity. So I'll start mm. um, to kind of give you both a little background to hopefully make this, um, well, at this point, it would be the last, uh, I'm 31. So the last 13 years of my life in a <laughs> condensed <laughs> form, um, my junior year of college, which would have been in 2011, 2011 yeah. my father was diagnosed with brain cancer. He was a family physician. Um, my mom was the nurse and secretary in their private practice right here in Wilkes-Barre, well, really Wilkes-Barre Township in Pennsylvania. And when that happened, um, before that uh, occurred, I was already on the pre-med route in college. So I was a chemistry major with the hope and goal that I would someday take over my dad's doctor's office. Uh, I have an older brother and an older sister. They're both doctors. They're PhD doctors. So I knew it was up to me since I was the last child to, um, you know, have those patients. And when he was initially diagnosed, not only was it a shock because he was the most, most um, healthy person I, I, I knew, I, I, I mean, when he needed to visit patients at the hospital, he would take the mm -hmm. steps. He, you know, he wasn't scared of the elevator, uh, <laughs> but, you know, he did it just to be healthy, you know, didn't smoke, didn't drink. Um, what was the, the epitome of like, oh, he knew how to limit the dessert, you know, at times, uh, not when it came to working on pumpkin pie. But uh, when, when I saw him going through his illness, um, which uh, was about a year and a half that included five craniotomies, not only did he go back to work after every time they cut open his, his oh. skull and, and operated on his brain, but he did it with such drive and passion that it kind of made me reevaluate what I thought my life's goal was and what I was really meant to do and, and why I was put here on this planet. So through many conversations um, in the car with him, car rides, you know, to and from Philadelphia when he would be at appointments that I was able to go to. Because remember, I was in college and I was out in West Virginia, so a good six hours away. Um, it kind of solidified that maybe I could do something else. Um, and because of not knowing what the future held, uh, just have more options. So in addition to the chemistry major, I also majored in music and theater. And again, I didn't know what the what the end goal was, where I was going to be pivoting, and and mm -hmm. I never thought of it as a pivot in the moment. And I think a lot of my life, um, as I'll I'll tell a little bit of my story, is I don't really maybe view it as pivots. It's just going down a path or a road that you didn't necessarily know you were going to go down, but you then you realize that that was the road that you were always supposed to be on. But in the moment, it may feel weird and, and not right. 
And uh, right before I graduated college, he passed away. Mm. And when I saw the fragility of his life, I, I mean, he was 58 years old um, mm. and then dedicated his life to helping others. When I saw that happen firsthand, so close to me, of course, people pass away all the time. But for it to be your father, mm -hmm. it really made me second um, or, or evaluate again what, 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 what's next for me. So mm -hmm. I decided to take... Um, uh, a little month hiatus. I took my MCATs, you know, got all my scores, applied to medical school, but it was just not, it, it was just not, not knowing what is going to happen. I was just trying to cover all my bases. Um, I moved back home. I told my mom I would be home for a month. Um, but I think the true passion was going to move to New York City since they say if you want to work in in television and Broadway and TV and theater, you know, you have to go to New York. Um, so mm -hmm. aside from um, making that decision, I moved back home. And during my first week of being back home with my mom, again, not only was she becoming an empty nester for the first time, but she was now living in a household without her husband. Um, so that's why I said, you know, I, I need to at least be with you for a little bit um, because from, from going in a household from, with, with people to, to literally no one, mm -hmm. um, I felt bad sure. about that. During that week, um, the first week I was home, um, long story short, my mom ended up having septic shock. Uh, we were watching TV one day, and if you don't know what septic shock is, it's a total blood infection. Um, she had a very mm. severe case of it, and um, when she got up to use the bathroom one, one night when we were watching TV, she passed out. And um, again, I, I, not again, I, I'm still doing that long story short. Um, she was in the hospital for three months. I, I mean, not only was she intubated, um, for the first eight days of that and had five lines going into her heart. Um, mm. But when she was able to um, wake up from that, which we didn't know what was happening, at one point she had five lines going into her heart, uh, she needed to learn how to walk again. She was uh. bedridden for three months. Mm. So I completely put my plans on hold and I don't want to say like my plans because truly it, you know, God knows our plans. Um, exactly. But what I thought I was going to do and uh, throughout the next 11 months, I was with her in the hospital. I would, I would sleep there. I, I would really just go home to shower. And um, then she needed to go to rehab and she was able to get released a little bit early because I agreed to, be with her at home. She couldn't do steps. She couldn't drive. She couldn't do laundry. She couldn't go to the store. Mm. So once she was all better with that uh, and was at a point where she was able to live by herself again, I made that move to New York. Mm. I was there for about three years. I honestly loved it. I, I truly thrived there. I had no friends, no family, no connections 
whatsoever. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> moving to New York City. And I think the thing that pushed me along, not only, you know, in, in addition to the, the go-getter mentality that I've always had in my life, is I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, it it when you look at the world like that, um, and you may not even realize you're looking at it like that, I didn't, you, you kind of have an open mind to a lot of things. So I jumped right into the scene of a film and TV and, and production. I did off-Broadway stuff. I, I worked on, on, on many different television shows. I worked with Morgan Freeman and his production mm. company. Oh, wow. I experienced every amazing thing that I think I could have in those three years I lived in New York. I I began a a YouTube web series where I did red carpet correspondent work and I interviewed celebrities at red carpet events and and galas and and opening show premiere nights. I, I mean, New York was that place for me where the magic was happening. I never took it for granted. I took it as, well, of course this happens because you're Hmm. in New York. Mm. My dad had a lot to do with it um, because I was, you know, there by myself and truly, truly loving it. I have a hidden talent. Okay. Um, It's not so hidden because a lot of people know about it because I have some um, more or less viral videos online doing it. But I am one of only two people in the entire world that has ever been recorded breaking a wine glass with their unaided singing voice multiple times. I've seen that video and it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have to go find it now. (laughs) That... Uh, talent, if you want to call it a talent, uh, piques a lot of people's interests. So while I was living in New York, I entered a contest with the Today Show on NBC, and I ended up becoming a finalist and ultimately began, or ultimately through America's Vote, won this Look What I Can Do contest. (laughs) I was on the show with Hoda and Jenna and Carson, and the prize was an all-expense-paid trip to Los Angeles. So, of course, I said to my mom, Mom, you're going with me. I actually said that on national television. I didn't even <laughs> tell her. Uh, you know, that, so, she, you know, she, she couldn't say no. And while we were there, she ended up falling in a no. bathroom. And no. she, it was the last night we were there. And, um, again, long story short, what we thought was um, – you know, a broken shoulder. And again, remember, she's a nurse. She is the last person to ever complain about pain, to ever uh, make it about her. You know, I I, I can't remember the last time, like my mom said, oh, I'm, my stomach's not feeling right. I don't think I, let's not go out today. Like, like, that's just something I've never really heard my, either of my parents say. And I think a lot of healthcare professionals can Mm -hmm. probably relate um, you know, if they're watching, because, you know, 
they're always putting other people's pains and, and ailments first. And um, we ended up coming home on, on our normal time. Uh, she was in a lot of, a lot of pain. Um, but we were told, you know, if we went to the ER in Los Angeles, we would end up being there for, you know, eight hours. And since we were literally flying out that next morning, weighing all the pros and cons, we said, let's just get checked out when we get home. Um, when we got home, she got checked out and nothing broken. Amazing. Wow. I know uh, everyone's on the edge of their seats and, and thinking, okay, Chris, what was broken? Nothing. But when the doctor looked at an x-ray, an x-ray of, of the shoulder, half of her, her chest was in it. So one of her lungs was, and he saw a smudge no. on her lung and said, it just doesn't look right. Um, maybe we should get a, a CAT scan or an MRI. So she did that. And then we had uh, at that point found out through also um, subsequent biopsies that she had dozens of cancerous nodules on her lungs. It was mm -hmm. a recurrence of her uterine cancer that had spread through her lungs. She had no um, pre-existing conditions. She had no soreness, no nothing like this came out of left field. So um, over the course of a little bit of time, I packed up my apartment at home or, or in New York and moved back home because my mom needed to start pretty much immediately chemo. Yeah. Um, it was I moved back home or at age 62, our mom goes into a nursing home uh, or has a, a full-time live-in nurse. Um, because if either of you are familiar with chemotherapy, yeah, um, yeah. you're not allowed to, to drive, um, you know, home from your appointment mm -hmm. um, because of the, you know, the effects of it and, and, and kind of how side effects can happen right. like that. For sure. Um, so I moved back home, what was supposed to be for six months. I sent out an email to all my contacts and, and, and job network um, group friends in New York. And I said, listen, I'm sorry, but, you know, my mom is sick right now. I don't know what's going on. I hope when I return to New York, you'll be here. Um, you know, because at that point I did have jobs like lined up, you know, you know, but I, I'm telling them like, hey, I have to pull out right now. So I came home and what was supposed to be six months turned into two and a half years um, up until her oh passing. Uh, became, uh, increasingly more um, handicapped and immobile. Mm. She helped me just as much as I helped her. So I don't want to make it seem like... Um, like, like a charity case. I, I mean, our mom was so strong and, and so faithful, as was our dad, that, you know, often people ask me, I was a primary caregiver for two and a half years up until this job here at, at PA Live at Eyewitness News. So it's not the traditional pivot, I would probably say a lot of people would ever say, uh, or, or even imagine. And yes, I was a full-time caregiver for two and a half years. Um, that meant I, 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 I really 
couldn't leave the house unless um, they were for little windows of, of a 20 minute pocket or a 30 minute, you know, uh, time frame to, to go to the pharmacy or to run to Walmart for groceries. I mean, I, I did not do anything in those two and a half years if they did not concern my mom. Um, so that meant mm-hmm. a lot of, watching a lot of TV um, because she, she couldn't do steps really. Um, she slept in our kitchen. Um, I slept in our kitchen as well. Uh, we, we both had a recliner in there. Um, so throughout the time with her, I learned, again, I think I went home. I know I went home with the mindset, like when I moved to New York, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, there was never a, yeah, it was supposed to be for six months, but at that six months mark, I didn't say like, oh my goodness, I'm going back now. It was just kind of, yeah, you, you had to, you may not know that time frame until you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, people, mm-hmm. of course, are on a, a strong front and, uh, you know, oh, this is what's, you know, the plan. But, you know, until you're truly living something, it's very hard to predict what you're going to feel and what your emotions are going to be. And um, yeah, when she passed away, I was in the process of moving back to New York and I ended up, um, it's funny because a lot of this pivot story has um, included now contests. So I won another contest and that contest was to perform on stage with Punxsutawney Phil at Groundhog Day <laughs> in 2020. So this was before the world knew of anything of COVID. And um, when I was there, I sang an original song on stage with Phil about half an hour before he was brought out of his burrow. Every February 2nd for the last one, three, four years. That was the beginning of it. <laughs> Two years ago, it was the 134th celebration. Uh-huh. And um, when I w- was there, I was actually reached out to from my current workplace to say, hey, can you come on? We have a show called PA Live, which I was familiar with, um, to talk about your experience. Because not only was it on a palindrome day, it was 02-02-2020. It was Super Bowl Sunday. And it was the largest in-person audience they ever had there. It was about 50,000 people that I sang in front of. Mm. And I was on the show that next Monday uh, afternoon. And when I was there, again, through a weird set of um, happen chance circumstances, the, the general manager, which I did not know was a general manager, asked me and came into the studio, like, who are, who, who am I? And, and what's my story? We talked very, very briefly. Again, I just thought, well, I knew it was someone that worked there, but I didn't know in what regards or what realm. And um, a week later, I was asked to guest co-host and through a weird cycle of events that also included the beginning of the coronavirus, I got this job um, at PA Live. And again, I know that not only now my dad was part of it, but my mom was because if I would moved back to New York, when I was moving back to New York after she passed away, I would be in the world just like everybody else with everything shut down and everybody furloughed and, and nobody in work. Mm. So you know, I would say my pivots 
have have been out of necessity, have not been out of something maybe not like not working, just how 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 life was unfolding and is unfolding um, uh, in, in front of me. And I look forward to what and journey and what path and what serendipitous life um, moments it, that, you know, my, my world is going to bring to me um, because it's, I, I'm just here with, with open arms to enjoy and experience it all and, you know, kind of be that chameleon that can, can change its, 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 its colors. Um, you so know, this, this gives me a bunch of questions, but, but Chris, Go ahead, right, so thank you. So thank you for coming to my <laughs> TED talk. Well, we're going to peel this TED talk apart. So you're given, so this is, this is taking a different turn because this, this is a pivot or a series of pivots by necessity which is really a unique circumstance. And before I, I ask my questions, I just want to say, number one, Chris, I'm sorry that you had to go through so much suffering in your life. For and number sure. two, my heart goes out to you. My hat also goes off to you for being so resilient during, th during moments in your life that would I know for me, it would have taken me down. Even the death of my father would have taken me off my stride. Nonetheless, to lose your father, be a caretaker, and then lose your mother. So, I mean, talk about grit. For sure. Grittiness is definitely one of your strong suits for sure. Um, but but the, the question I wanted to ask you is, there were pivots by necessity, but was there always an undercurrent of... I still have to achieve this in my life and I'm not going to feel fulfilled unless this is accomplished. Even when you were in that caretaker responsibility. Uh, so, so I, I want to get your reflections on that. Well, thank you for those nice sentiments too. Um, yeah, I think that kind of goes back to the original, um, you know, question that you had proposed about pivoting from, um, you know, a, a film or, or entertainment to, to live television. But I think it's important to note all of the other pivots that happened because those kind of influenced, um, you know, where sure. I am now. And when my entire life, I have always said, I want to, I want to be on stage and I want to perform for people. I never really defined what that stage is. Um, I was never that person that said like, oh, I want to be on Broadway. Like, of course, like, yeah, you, you say like, that would be great. But like, that was never the goal. Just like a stage in front of people because I knew and I know that that is where I, I shine. And that is where I am able to give something to the world. And, and, and maybe that is in the in the realm of a little escape from, from their problems of the day. But I, I've always been able to be comfortable in front of an audience, whether it be one person or a hundred thousand hmm. people. Um, so the goal has always been to, 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 to perform. 
of course, there's, you know, little goals that you might want or you might think of, but they've never really been like the defining factor of my next move or the next road. So, so the undercurrent I, was always, I have to perform. I feel my best when I am on stage. You, you felt, what's the, how, how would you describe it? Fulfilled there? You felt at home there? Yeah, comfortable. I, I, I have always... If you asked my mom, she would always say there was there's something when, you know, Chris gets in front of an audience when he 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 turns it on or, he, you know, I could practice and practice in our living room with my mom and dad watching me endlessly <laughs> perform. Um, but, you know, as soon as I know and I have that pressure on me that. Other people are taking time out of their day. Maybe they paid money for a ticket to a show, um, you know, and, and you have that one shot to to do something right. Um, you know, you, you kind of, you don't even think about it, at least in my case. Um, I've never been really a person that gets nervous. Um, and I, I don't want to say that, and 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 make it seem like you know that's like an ego thing, but I have always been confident in the preparation mm. I've done, and I think that's something that my dad and my mom, you know, it, it's like you, you, it, in 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 hindsight, when you when you think of what your parents have taught you, you know, it's not like hey, this is what I'm teaching you. It's just what you're you're they're leading by example, and I think mm -hmm. because they lived lives that they were always prepared for everything they thought of you know all the scenarios when they could they 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 didn't go into things blindly if they were able to do something in advance to make it better and because that's how i attack every day um i know well chris like you've done your best and and that was something again um, our mom and dad would always tell us, do your best, do it for God. I know I always do my best and I try my best. So I, I'm never like worried about the outcome of something. If it doesn't work out, it wasn't meant to be. But I know I literally did as good as I can. And that could mean like, like physically, like in, in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in a show, or that can mean like, writing a letter to someone or, or, you, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I think because of that mindset, it's, um, oh my goodness. Now no. what's the question? <laughs> no. I wanted to, I wanted to wrap <laughs> it up. <laughs> no, 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 Chris, I, I, I want to, I want to talk to you about because specifically your pivot from pre-med to knowing that you wanted to be, to do film. So, um, because I want it because this show, Brian and I, we want to impart wisdom on our on our audience, our, our successors who's listening, because they're going through similar things um, and we want to give them as much value and knowledge as possible. So when they take it or li listen to the show, they can apply it in their lives. So I want to ask you two questions. I know one came the one pivot came from 
witnessing what happened to your father. And again, my heart and condolences goes out to you, you and you and your family. So what made you choose pre-med first? Because to me, it's from, from the outside, it looks like, okay, <laughs> my dad and my mom are in the medical field. So I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. Did you always have a burning desire in your in your in your heart saying, I, I understand that I'm majoring in pre-med and I'm probably going to take over my father's practice, but that's not really what I want to do. And then something then that then that happened to the, that terrible thing happened to your father. And then it's like, OK, I see how fragile life is. I'm just going to do exactly what Chris wants to do. And then you pivoted into the world of media and film. So what made you? Again, I want to hear from your your perspective. What made you choose the pre med route, and then what gave? I, I'm pretty sure that gave you the confident confidence. But um, why? You know, you're like, okay, this is regardless if I fail or not, I'm going to go into this media world. Uh, well, thanks for the kind words. Um, I have always loved performing. I have a very musically inclined family. Um, no one is necessarily like a trained singer. Our father was um, an amazing accordion player. I mean, he took lessons for years and years when he was a little kid. Um, so we, we have all been like a, you know, sing-alongs in the car, um, you know, singing at church uh, doing a little skit here or there, um, you know, being that family that, you know, you invite to game night and you know, it's going to be a good time because we're, um, well, I'm animated. <laughs> you, you know, and, uh, our, our, everyone else in the family, you know, varying, uh, you know, uh, more or less. So because I think I saw that balance of, like our mom and dad doing their jobs, but still being able to incorporate that um, performance aspect in it, you know, singing in the choir, doing this, doing that. Um, I don't know if I truly ever looked at my life as an adult, like, Chris, one day you're going to grow up and like, you're going to have to have a job. So, Maybe because of that, it was always, well, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor like my dad. I mean, I would go on house calls with him. He That was one of the core things of his practice. He went hmm. to people's homes. Um, what, what pretty much the, the last physician in, in Northeast PA that does that or that did that. Um, he worked at the Dallas State Prison, and I, I went once to, to shadow him there. He was their medical director with all the inmates. Um, and I saw how he was able to help so many people. And he was a gentle doctor. He had the the most amazing bedside manner that I've ever seen from a doctor. And I'm not just saying that because he was my dad. Um, I mean, I, I think a true testament to that was at his viewing um, shortly after he passed. I, I mean, there were so many people that came, many of them I had never met before. Um, because they're patients, they're from, you know, different aspects of his, his medical career. And um, the underlying theme was just how kind he was. One, one lady even 
um, mentioned that uh, they were in the hospital one night. She was with her husband. Her husband was sick. And my dad, before he left, said, would you like to say a prayer before I leave? And, you know, that was a story that nobody in our family knew. Our dad never told anybody of us. He never, you know, um, needed to, you know, brag about what he was doing behind the scenes. But he did so many things like that, that I knew that that was his way of performing. And, and because I saw how his life was so beautiful like that, that was like, well, that's awesome. And I can still sing and I can still do that. Um, so when I, I made the, the full pivot to, to, to not go the medical school route, route at that time, it was because of seeing the fragility of his life and how he passed away, um, so soon and so unexpectedly that it was like, gosh, Chris, like, we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. So, 100%. you know, what? What do you think God put you here to do? And, you know, in my core, I think that is to perform and to try to make people smile and happy and joyous and and, and spread positivity. You, so that's kind of when that pivot you, was internally made. Um, really, at the core was at his passing. You know what, Chris? Uh, it seemed... You've had a lot of pivots, but it also, but it also, but with pivoting, it's also believing in your journey as well, right? So whatever you're meant to do, and whatever that road or that journey takes you, you have to believe in it and just do it. So, for our successors who are listening to this powerful story, what advice would you give them when they're on their if they're doing something that they don't want to do? Truly. Not saying that they don't enjoy it, but they don't truly want to do what they're doing and they're scared of taking that first step. What advice would you give someone like that based on your life experience? Well, number one, shout out to all the listeners right now. <laughs> we all appreciate you. Brian and Chris are the best. Are they not? Yeah. <laughs> Wherever you are in the world right now, make sure you're like clapping if you can. Um, keep clapping. Yes, we hear you. Yes. Hey, you, you I stop know, clapping. I know some of you are clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Cut. Uh, I would say, and again, it's like I take everybody's um, opinions and advices to mold me into what I am. Not everybody, but, you know, the people that I trust and love. It's mm, uh, important. So it's, 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 it's so rare to get asked for advice. Um, I hope I have some. I, I would say... Make sure you always remember if you want to make that step into anything. It's okay to ask questions. I believe most of my life and what some may deem as successes in it are because I am not afraid 
to ask questions. I'm not afraid to seemingly look inexperienced or dumb or, uh, you know, that I don't know what I'm doing because I've always loved learning and I've always tried, maybe don't always succeed at it, to accept the fact that you don't know everything. And because of that, I believe if you're in a situation where a, 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 a pivot may be needed or warranted or, 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 or wanted, whether that be in your professional life, in your personal life, in your, um, you know, just for you internally, if you're open to that possibility that others can offer you help, and I'm not saying, you know, you're going to get the advice from, you know, Oprah or the Dalai Lama. You know, it could, it, it, it just, uh, they're great. So shout out to both. Um, they listen to the show every week. But, <laughs> and, and wonderful, amazing. Um, because I think going with the mentality of that, you're able to then more easily journey down a path that you probably would have never otherwise thought of as your path or your journey. And when that happens, then those um, serendipitous moments um, can occur and will occur. And your journey of what you thought life was going to be um, maybe turning into what, you know, life is supposed to be. And mm. if you're, I know that was mm. deep. I'm even <laughs> impressed. It's going to be the clip right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let me write that down. Let me, that's the forward to my next book. Not my next book, my first book. I don't, I don't have a book. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would say. And, and you know, I'm a faithful person. I, I get that some people are in and whatever God or gods that you pray to, I would say also too, to have that component of, of prayer and discernment. Mm. Um, because when you're able to, you know, quiet the world around you, it may lead to more clarity onto, you know, what you're doing. And I think we can all relate Chris and Brian that sometimes life makes the decisions for you. And you have to trust in those moments that everything's going to work out in the end. Because, I mean, really, honestly, it always so, does. Not to bring up, this is not a different subject matter, but it's equally thought perplexing point. Um, I'm a Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Was that well, never mind. You already oh. answered it. So, <laughs> so next question. <laughs> um, so what about this? A little humor for those viewers. <laughs> so the, the idea of never quitting seems to be in contradiction to the idea of knowing when to pivot. I remember growing up, my father would always say to me, Brian, never give up, never, ever give up, which I still believe is good advice. However, when we're talking about pivoting, how can both of those things be true at the same time? 
So if we if we use Chris's mm. example, uh, you know, he, he took the MCATs. He had his degree in science in preparation to go to medical school. If he started to feel this interest in theater, but I heard the echoing message of never give up, never, ever give up. How did you know to say, hey, I'm willing to give up the med school thing because I found this thing? Like, when do you know when to drop certain things and go to other things? And I think you talked about it, Chris, that it, it occurred almost the moment at your father's funeral. So if you could elaborate a little bit more, like if you could put yourself back in that spot again, like what was the thinking process transpiring? And I also want to get Chris Sykes's view on this too, but our guest first, of course. Um, of course. <laughs> yeah. The Chris that spells it with a C H. Um, I don't know, Brian, if I would ever classify anything I've ever done in my life as giving up on that facet of of my life, because. I have seen truly firsthand how unpredictable life can be. The pivots I've made knowingly and even unknowingly have never been because of um, knowing when to stop something. If we're talking about the examples, you know, I've shared today. I am always open to revisiting things. And because I think those pivots, like for example, when I moved back home from New York City to be with my mom when she had a recurrence of cancer, I wasn't quitting or leaving or giving up New York. It was like, I'm going to be back when I'm going to be back. I, I don't know when that's going to be, but the pivot right now in my life is I'm moving back home. I thought I was going back to New York and I may be, who hmm. knows? But once she, and I saw that she, I wasn't able to really leave home, I stayed back home. Um, so almost if I looked at it in a way of, you know, these life events as, 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 as quitting on something or, or, or giving up on something, you know, that would mean that, well, after those six months, I would have moved back to New York because that's what mm. I said. Um, but being able to go with an open mind of, you know, the things will work out the way they're supposed to work out. I, I mean, my father went to medical school when he was 35. Wow. Um, that's four years older than I am now. So I'm, I'm open to anything in life um, along my journey. So not to say that, of course, you know, you quit things all the time. Um, but I've never viewed it as, as that because it's kind of that, that chapter may be closed for then, uh. but why can't I open that book again and 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 go back That's to that way to look at it 100. it's like chapters in a book it's not quitting it's just like okay this one's done next chapter this one's on next chapter i like that analogy very much 
Uh, Absolutely. I, I'm going to say a real quick thing that someone once told me um, when I was in college. And well, it was actually like two things. Um, let me make, let me see which one I want to say first. Okay, so the first one is if if you are a goldfish, and this is like from a very famous graduation speech by a man. Um, his name escapes me at the moment, but it's I think it's called like uh, "We Are the Water," something along those lines. And um, there's two goldfish in a bowl, and at and again, I'm sorry if I'm paraphrasing this wrong, if people are familiar <laughs> with the story, but this is from what I remember of it and what I have taken out of it. You know, at the end of the goldfish's life, the one says something about the water and the other goldfish has no idea. They're in there, they're in the same bowl, has no idea what they're talking about. So the one goldfish has, has lived life enjoying everything about it, not just from here to there, but enjoying all of the water that they have swam through to get to wherever they needed to go in their bowl. For us, it's the world. The other goldfish, because they only were worried about going from here to here to here, never even looked at the water, never got to just swim and smile and be happy. And I think it's kind of making the comparison of, you know, we can't look at life as these these big pivots maybe, or maybe this big, I'm, I'm moving to Mexico to start a, a business, you know, like it's all these little things that add up to life. And then, you know, in the end, like it's our, it, it's, it's those little things. And, um, you know, like if, if you watch a talk show and, and, and someone's on it that, um, you know, they, they, a lot of people say, oh, you're an overnight success. They say, I think to be an overnight su a success, it's like 10 to 15 huh. years um, equals an overnight success. Oh, for sure. So I think that kind of mirrors a lot of what we're, what we're saying. And I hope that it made does. sense. But, you know, the second thing that maybe even might be more pertinent in regards to, you know, maybe going back to that chapter or opening that book again or whatever that may look or feel like for you and especially me being you know a a theater <laughs> performer um as you can tell i can't do accents uh but if you were watching if you were in the front row right now of your um life happening on a stage in front of you like you were at a show at a performance and it was your life and what you see on stage is what's happening right now today in your life as an audience member what would you want the next scene to be in that play and i think i view a lot of my life like that and and realize and try to remember i can mold what tomorrow will be and what the next day can possibly bring and I think when you're able to think of life like that, maybe those pivots can come a little easier because you, of course, everybody wants what's best for them, mm -hmm. right? So if you're looking at your life as, you know, take it out of yourself for a second. And it's like, well, what would you want that person to do? You know, would you be screaming in your seat? Oh my gosh, don't do that. Or would you be saying, oh my, why aren't you doing that? Yes. Um, I like that. So, no, yeah. For sure. 
No, for sure. I think pivoting and quitting are two different things, to be honest. Um, I think, okay, so if I use the example of me wanting to be a professional football player, I don't view it as me quitting. I think the the road to that supposed dream came to an end because I lost a love for it. And if I had the notion of don't quit, I could have seriously injured myself because I wasn't into it anymore. Mm. Right. Okay. So it's like, you know, if I go after something that I'm not into, especially with a physical sport like football, and I'm like, I always was told not to quit, but I'm out here and I'm trying, and then I'm not really into it and not paying attention. I can get my head taken off because I'm not paying attention or I don't care enough about the game. Um, but also, too, I think that you also have to believe in your journey because if you still, because if I still had the passion, for football, I would have accepted how long that road was going to be and then enjoy all, like like Chris said, enjoy all the experiences that come with that. And then if my dad always told me, um, if you give everything, if you give your best effort 110% and it does not work out, you can go to bed at night fully satisfied because you know that you gave it everything you got, hmm. right? Your 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 dreams necess- don't necessarily have to come true, because maybe that's not what your life's plan is. You that's what you may that's what you may think it may be, but if you like if you like me, if I trained daily and if I you know lifted weights and if I gave my best effort, then I had a a career ending injury. Is that quitting? No, that means that particular thing wasn't meant for me, right? So now I have to figure out what is, right? Um, hmm. And life is always, like Chris said, life is always an ongoing journey. Life is always a thing where, like, that's a great analogy. What would you want your ne- what, what would you want the next scene in your movie or your play or your show to be? And if that's what you want it to be, embrace that, go after it, and understand it's going you know, it's, it's to be a very, very fun journey because at, at the very end of your life, when you look back and people are telling the story of Brian Golsack or Chris Bohensky, what would that story look like? And you will, when you want that story to be full of purpose, full of, he, Chris made me feel this way. Brian made me feel this way. Brian cared. Or Brian, every time Brian touch something he put his all into it every time chris talked to me he made me he uplifted me he he made me feel good about myself right so i think that um just believe in your journey and knowing when i think people in internally know when something isn't going to work out Hmm. and that's oh that's perfectly fine that's okay because your life is look at chris's story right chris had this goal um well he's doing it now but the journey that his journey to where he is now isn't conventional at all. He had to, you know, he had to deal with his fathers. Then he was a caregiver for two years, right? If you, in the traditional sense of media, especially in New York city, if you ask somebody's journey, they're going to say, well, I was here then I was here and I was here. I didn't have time to go back home and da, 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 da. But I, I think that he was rewarded based off of a good, of good hearted person. He was mm. right. Even he had this passion, he had this belief, and he knew that this is what he wanted to do. But he did something that, yes, he cared. A lot of people care about their parents, but are they going to take two years, two and a half years off of their life to care for them? 
Not everybody. Right. Not everybody. Not everybody is 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 going to do that, knowing that you have a dream to attain, hmm. or you have a dream to go after. Right. So I, then it I'm just sorry. so happens that these breaks came, and then he is he is where he is today. This reminded me of a quote that I want to read and and see if this resonates with either of you. So a week before Leonardo da Vinci passed away. I think he wrote this following quote in his journal. As a well-spent day brings happy sleep, so a life well-spent brings happy death. So mm. just I think if you're living the dream, if you're, if you're doing the activities that align with your purpose, your dream, your ambitions for yourself, every single day that you're doing the work, surrounded surrounding that goal you go to bed at night and you said wow i did what i needed to do today to live the life that i want to live for myself if you have a lifetime where every day you're living that you get to go to bed at night feeling good about yourself and at the conclusion of your life when you're reflecting back on that life just like you can have that peaceful sleep every night you can have that peaceful end to your life which we've spoken about, Chris, so many times on this show. You don't want to look back on your life and say, I think I could have done more, but for one reason or another, I, I didn't. Regret. Listen, regret. Warm. Who said this? I think either Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett said this. It was like when you're 90 or you live to be older, you don't have to be that age, but when you live to be older, are you going to be happy with the life decisions you made or are you going to be like, gosh, I wish I would have done that when I was this age. Cause there's no telling where that could have led me. Even if I failed, at least I could say that I tried. And if, even if you fail, quote unquote, you have a great story to tell. I tried this and then it went, it went to the left. So, but Chris, I know that you, I know that you listen, I want to thank you so mm -hmm. much for taking time out of your busy Emmy nominated schedule to come on this show and give our successors some valuable knowledge. Your story is incredible. Um, I'm so glad that, you know, things are working out the way that they are for you. Tell our successors where they can find you. Very quickly. I, I want to say um, to you both, thank you so much for, again, inviting me to be a part of this. I, I, it, it, it is an honor that you both reached out um, and thinking I was worthy enough um, for your viewers. So thank you for sharing me with them. Uh, I do want to say um, to kind of encapsulate my time here, you know, when I, I did move back home and, and this kind of just thought to me happened, Chris, when, when you were just speaking, um, you know, yes, I was here for those two and a half years with my mom. I never viewed it as uh, putting my life on hold because during that time, um, you know, I didn't know what my life was in terms of where it was going or what I was going to be doing. There are things that happened in that time, including uh, this job that I work at a television station that only happened because of that pivot of moving mm. back home. So, you know, if people view things as, you know, well, I'm not going to do this or I'm not, I am going to do this because it may or may not fit a timeline that they created, I think they just have to remind themselves that 
doing something else may then open even more doors. And, and it surely has for me. Again, I, I, I can't tell you what would have happened if I was, you know, in New York and didn't come home for those for the, that time. But I can tell you the the wonderful, amazing things that not only happened personally for me and, and the time that I got to spend with my mom and, and our grandma, um, but, you know, things that happened to me professionally. So I just want to kind of end with that. And all our, the, your listeners and your viewers, they can find me on social media just under my name, Chris Bohinski. If they're in the Northeast and Central Pennsylvania area, they can always watch PA Live. It comes on at four o'clock every weekday on WBRE, which is NBC. Um, if you're not in that viewing area, you can always stream it live on our website. Uh, there's, you know, wonderful opportunities to connect with so many people every single day. So if anybody ever has um, the the notion that they may want to share some part of their story or life with 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 my viewers, please feel free to reach out. I I, I would you know love love new connections with people, especially your listeners, because I know they're all great Beautiful. people. For sure, for sure. And Chris, what 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 platform are you most known on? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? What just so our listeners know where to go. We're going to have all the links, successes. We're going to have all the links, but just I want you to hear it directly from Chris. Yeah, depending on, you know, the the ones that they use. Of of, of course, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I don't know if there's any TikTokers, (laughs) but, you know, you may not want to view that because you're thinking, okay, we thought Chris was maybe cool. (laughs) He's not cool now after we watched his TikTok. (laughs) have like eight views but you know what i do them because they make me happy so <laughs> that's fantastic. fantastic wherever they want to find me my, my my email my phone number can also be found on on those platforms and um i you know i'm no stranger uh you know if people want to reach out love that love that brian take us home my friend all right successors we had a great time hanging out with Chris Bohinski today. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we're going to see you all next time. This concludes another episode of Success Fundamentals. We hope you found today's discussion useful to your life in some way. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook.